So today's reading is from John 8, 48 through 59. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died as did the prophets, yet you say, If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say, He is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for your presence here with us this morning. We thank you that uh, you are moving in our hearts, Lord. Uh, that you uh, delight to make your people more and more into your image. And you use the instruments of worship services and and prayers and songs and ultimately your scriptures uh, to shape us into who you want us to be. So, Father, please change our hearts. Help us to see you. Uh, Help us to be changed at uh, the most basic and elemental parts of our hearts and lives by the message of your gospel. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, I don't know uh, about you, but I'm a, a huge fan of the Serial Podcast. Uh, if you didn't know this, if you were a fan of the Serial Podcast, you didn't know this, they have started a second season of the Serial Podcast, and uh, I'm doing the best I can to try to stay up to it. If you don't know what Serial is, it's, uh, it's a podcast that's put out by uh, This American Life, which is, I think, a part of, of NPR radio or something along the lines. And uh, what they do is they take a case or they take a story and they examine that story, uh, elements of that story week in and week out. And your kind of thoughts change as you go through the season listening uh, to the story that they are telling. Well, they've just started uh, the second season of the Serial Podcast and uh, the case that they have uh, chosen to examine this year uh, is the case of Bo Bergdahl. Uh, Bo Bergdahl, if you don't know, uh, was uh, someone who was in the military who uh, was captured by the Taliban in Afghanistan. Uh, In 2014, his release was negotiated uh, after he'd been a prisoner uh, of war, really, for for five years. He'd been in prison for five years. And uh, he was about to come back to the United States, and they had planned all sorts of celebrations for for Bo Bergdahl when he came back uh, to the States, parades in his hometown and celebrations. And then right when he was about to arrive back in the United States, all the celebrations were canceled. They were canceled abruptly. And that's because a lot of news came out that said that maybe there's more to his story than we realize. Some saw him and uh, suggested that he was a traitor or he was a deserter and doesn't belong to be celebrated. So you had some people on one side that said he should be celebrated as a hero. You had other people on the other side that said he should be court-martialed as a traitor. 
So what this podcast does is it examines his story and helps you make a decision for yourself as to who this very mysterious and enigmatic character is uh, and, and it allows you to make your decision about who he really is. Well, for centuries, people have been asking very similar questions about the person of Jesus Christ. No one can, can really def, def, uh, de- deny that he has had an absolutely profound influence on uh, human history, but many ask the question, who is he? Some have considered him to be a great teacher, a, a great prophet, or just a wonderful moral example that we should pattern our lives around. Other have, others have seen him as a religious leader or a cult leader. Some have, believe him to be a, a revolutionary who advocated for a certain brand of social justice. Others consider him to be a blasphemer or a criminal. But we have to ask ourselves, who was this enigmatic and mysterious person who lived 2,000 years ago who still has incredible bearing on our lives today? And the scriptures say that we must answer this question. We must answer this question personally. It is the, the inescapable question that we all have to answer because this answer doesn't just have a profound impact on our lives day in and day out today, but they have a profound impact on the life that is to come as well. On Christmas Eve, if you were with us, we looked at both uh, the humanity and the divinity of Jesus Christ wrapped up into one little baby. If you're with us a Sunday after, we looked at this uh, very unique picture of Jesus that is found uh, in the book of Revelation that describes him in one breath as a mighty and powerful lion, and then in the next breath as a lamb that was slain. Over the next several weeks, what I'd like to do is to continue to look at the person of Jesus, but look at it from a different angle. I want us to look at Jesus's own words about himself. We're not going to look at what other people said about him or other people's opinions or commentary on his life. We're going to look at what he said about himself. And the Gospel of John really uniquely provides us with Jesus' own words about himself. They are careful to record what many have called the I am statements about Jesus. These are Jesus' own words about what he said he was, who he was, and what he came to do and what that means for you and for me. And the first thing we'd like to look at this morning is something that he says in John chapter 8. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. The context in which he said this is a pretty familiar one. If you've ever read the Gospels before, Jesus is uh, in the Jewish temple. Uh, The Jewish temple at this point is in the process of of being rebuilt by the Jewish government. Uh, He was most likely uh, in the outer court of the temple, which is where all the worshipers would gather uh, daily. 
uh, to worship God. And it was most likely uh, right after the Feast of Tabernacles, which was a religious festival that the Jewish people participated in. So were there many, many people in the center of this temple. It was the, the center of Jewish culture in Jesus' day, and it was considered to be one of the most holy places for the Jewish people. They would gather there almost daily to worship God and uh, to be led by the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees who were the religious professionals of Jesus's day. And one day while in this temple, the Jewish people were worshiping and they were gathering together and Jesus enters the temple and they begin to gather around Jesus. They had heard about Jesus. They'd heard rumors and, and all the word on the street about who this person of Jesus was and they wanted to test him. They wanted to, to hear what he was going to say or to hear uh, if all the stories about Jesus were true because all of them were asking that question. They were asking, who is this man? And Jesus begins to tell them. He begins to tell him who he is and why he came, and the answers were absolutely shocking to the first hearers of Jesus' message. Our passage this morning really tells us three different things, or three different things are packed into this statement, before Abraham was, I am. The first thing that Jesus wants us to see is that he is the pre-existent God, or that Jesus is the pre-existent God. Look at verse 58. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Now, I want you to think for a minute about time, okay? Uh, I am convinced more and more that time has become one of the most valuable resources that we all have. It's kind of right up there with money in terms of the resources that we value as human beings. So where and how we spend our time really reflects what we value as people. And if you talk to anybody in American culture, they will tell you what? They will tell you that they are busy. We live in a busy culture. We live in a culture where time is a precious commodity. That's the cultural moment that we are in right now. And you have to ask yourself, what makes time so precious? Why is time so valuable? Well, it's so valuable because time is a limited or bound resource. We can go out and work harder and make extra money, but we cannot buy more time. We are creatures that have a beginning. At some point, we will have a physical end, and we only have so much time in between our beginning and our end. But what Jesus is saying here is very radical. What Jesus says is that he is different than us. He's saying that he is not bound by time like you and I are. This man Abraham that Jesus talks about lived thousands and thousands of years before Jesus. And was G when Jesus was saying this, he was a man of probably about 30 years old, but he's saying that he existed before Abraham did. Now, the only one who is beyond time, the only one who steps out of the bounds of time is God himself. 
God existed from eternity past, and he will exist into a future reality for all of eternity. So what Jesus is doing here is he is claiming divinity. He is claiming that he is divine. He says that he is not bound by time like you and I are. He is actually uncreated. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He always is. He is a being that steps outside of the confines of time because he is God himself. But there's something else going on here that supports Jesus' claim to divinity in this passage. Because the fact that Jesus refers to himself as I am is very significant. If you read in the Old Testament, you go to uh, Exodus chapter 3, you'll read a story about Moses. Moses was a hero to the Jewish people. Uh, But Moses, in reality, was a fugitive. He had uh, killed someone in a fit of anger and ran off into the wilderness and was in hiding for 40 years in the wilderness, fearful that he would be caught for his crimes. One day when he was in the mountains uh, in hiding, he encountered something that changed his life. He encountered a bush that was burning that was not consumed. He encountered a physical manifestation of God. And God had a very unique and special message from Moses and a very special mission that he was to engage in. But at the very end of the conversation, Moses said this. He said, God, what is your name? And God responded to him, he said, I am who I am. You see, this story was in Jesus' mind when he uttered these words, and it certainly would not have been lost on the Jews that were hearing it in that moment. Jesus was claiming to be God. He was claiming to be the pre-existent God who is not bound by time. But this isn't all that he's saying in our passage. He's also telling the Jews what this means for them and what it means ultimately for us too. Because Jesus is saying that he is superior to all religious categories. Look at verse 53. The Jews said to Jesus, Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? You see, if there was a religious hero to the Jewish people, it was Abraham. If you read in your Bibles in Genesis chapter 12, almost at the very beginning, God comes to this man, Abraham, and he enters into a unique relationship or unique covenant with him. Abraham was considered to be both the spiritual and the physical father of the Jewish people. He was their absolute hero, And yet Jesus in this passage is suggesting that he is greater than Abraham. And he's making this suggestion in the temple, in the very heart of Jewish worship. I struggled this week to try to make some sort of sense or or come up with some sort of illustration of how shocking this would have been to the Jewish people. The only thing I could think of to come up with is imagine someone enters Camden Yards where the Baltimore Orioles play and suggested that they are more of an Iron Man than Cal Ripken Jr. was. Baltimore would probably not stand for it. They'd get angry. They'd scoff at this person for saying what they'd say. 
People from Baltimore would feel insulted by someone who would say that. And in some sense, this is what the Jews are saying. They have been insulted by Jesus. They can't believe his arrogance and his contempt. To say these things is bad enough, but to say them in the context of the temple of all places is the worst thing they can imagine. Jesus isn't just suggesting that he's greater than Abraham. He's saying he's greater than Moses. He's greater than all the prophets that came after them. And they look at Jesus and they say, who do you make yourself out to be? Or who do you think you are to say these things? See, Jesus is saying that he's not just greater than their religious categories, but ultimately that he came to fulfill their very religion. He came to fulfill their religious system. What's so tragic about the Gospels and the story that it tells is that sadly it was the Jews' commitment to their religion that ultimately kept them from coming to Jesus. And there's a huge caution here for you and I as well. There's a huge temptation for us in this passage as well because it reminds us that a commitment to our faith cannot be the end in and of itself. Jesus has to be the end of our faith. What it means is that you and I can be uh, the best givers in the church. We can commit our time and our energy to our faith. We can become experts in the Bible. We can be people that everybody looks at and says, wow, they're so spiritual. They are spiritual giants. And we can be all those things, but still miss out on Jesus Christ himself. Jesus is greater than, Because Jesus himself is God. There's one last thing that Jesus uh, says here about himself. He tells the people, he tells his audience that he is the source of Abraham's life because he was the object of Abraham's faith. Jesus is the source of Abraham's life because he was the object of Abraham's faith. He says this in verse 56, he says, Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. See, one of the things that Christians believe is that our lives persist past our physical death. Our bodies at some point are going to pass away, but who we are persists in either spiritual life or spiritual death. If you want to learn more about it, we're having an adult formation class starting today about that very thing. But one of the things the scriptures show us is that Abraham's physical life died thousands and thousands of years ago, but his life nonetheless persists. It persists even today in the bliss and the presence of God. And you may ask, how is that possible? Well, it's possible because Abraham placed his faith in a Savior that he knew at some point was going to come. You see, Jesus says that Abraham looked forward to God coming in order to rescue humanity. He looked forward to that day, and Jesus says in this moment, that day has now arrived. 
He is the source of Abraham's life because he was the object of Abraham's faith. You see, Abraham did not place his faith in himself. He knew that his righteousness and his goodness was not enough to please a God who is holy. He looked at his own life and he saw it and was honest and saw it for the mess that it was. He knew that he didn't have the stuff it takes to save himself. He knew that there was no way that he could earn his way back into God's good favor. So he placed his faith in a rescuer that he was confident at one point would come in time and in space. And what Jesus is saying is this, I am that rescuer. I have come to rescue Abraham. I have come to rescue you. Place your faith in me and I will give you eternal life. Friends, this is really what the essence of what it this is the essence of what it means to be a Christian. To be a Christian means that we despair of our own ability to earn our way back to God. It recognizes that we cannot heal ourselves no matter what our best efforts are. Instead, being a Christian is placing our faith in Christ. It's giving up placing our faith in ourselves and instead it places our faith in a rescuer who came. It means placing our faith in Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, the last verse in our passage tells us, at the end of the day, all this was too much for the Jews. They couldn't handle what Jesus was saying. They were furious at the the blasphemy that they perceived to be coming out of Jesus' mouth. How could he be so arrogant? They begin to call him names. They call him a Samaritan. They, They equate him with being a devil or a demon. But even their accusations were not enough. Verse, 20, verse 59 says at the end, So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself, and he went out of the temple. You see, they were so angry that they were ready to execute Jesus on the spot, but somehow he miraculously slipped out of the crowd. But what the gospel tells us is that there would come a time where he would let the stones be thrown. There would come a time when he would let the executioner's blow fall on his head. There would come a time when the Jews would get the very thing that they wanted at the end of this passage. Jesus wouldn't be stoned to death, but in the end his hands would be spread out and they would be nailed to a tree as he is crucified. The gospel tells us that he did all of this so that you and I could be rescued. God would allow himself to be executed so that you and I could experience life eternal. By faith, his punishment was in our place. By faith, his goodness becomes our goodness And by faith in him, you and I can experience eternal life. Let's pray.